Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast, a show for anyone wanting to level up their travel hacking lifestyle. I'm your host, Julia Menez. I'm a travel hacker, coach, speaker, Filipina-American ENTJ who loves solid travel gear and using shortcuts on spreadsheets. On this show, I'm on a mission to bring you travel hackers from all walks of life to help you level up your travel hacking game. We dive into credit cards, miles, points, strategy, mindset, and the secrets behind how to travel the world for next to no cost. So let's get hacking. They booked a round trip and, and one way was in business class, but the return flight was an economy, but they were paying uh, the full price business, and yeah. points for, for business class because that's how it works on a round trip flight. And all they needed to do was book two one ways, one in business and one in economy if business wasn't open and it would have saved them upwards of 25,000 points. Hello, travel hackers. You just heard a clip from Spencer and Ashley. Spencer and Ashley are rising stars in the world of Canadian rewards travel and have booked numerous first-class trips on points and miles, including a $90,000 trip to Dubai. It doesn't even matter if that's in Canadian or American dollars because it is super impressive either way. In today's episode, Spencer and Ashley share with us some tips for how to take advantage of two-player mode referrals, how they're able to get a ton of points and miles by being Airbnb super hosts, and some of the key differences between Canadian and American travel hacking programs. Spencer and Ashley also mentioned that one of the key ways they've been able to level up their game so quickly is by connecting with others in the Canadian points and miles community. And I couldn't agree more. The best travel hack is always to make friends with people who can show you even more travel hacks. If you would like to connect with a community at one of the meetups I host for podcast listeners and featured guests like Spencer and Ashley, you can sign up for invites to the next one at geobreezetravel.com slash hangouts. And now on with the show. Hey, Spencer. Hey, Ashley. Welcome to the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you guys on because I feel like people, for no good reason, always just ask me, so how does this work in Canada? <laughs> and I'm not sure why anyone ever expects me to know the answer to that. Whenever anybody asks, I'm just going to refer them to you guys. Perfect. So, tell me a little bit about yourselves. How did you get into the miles and points game? And I guess even before that, what came first? Did you guys meet each other or did you guys get into points and miles separately or did one get the other into points and miles? How did that whole background story work? Yeah. So, I mean, we met over five years ago, so we actually knew each other before we got into to points and miles. I hadn't really traveled a whole lot. Ashley had. And we decided to take, oh, it was my first big trip down to uh, Vietnam and Thailand. And Booking the flights, didn't realize what a 14, 15 hour economy flight was going to be like with layovers. And uh, yeah, I mean, the second we got on the plane, we had to walk through the, the nice business class section and you got to realize that these people can literally lay down, they get blankets, they, you know, they get all you can eat, all you can drink and uh, much more comfortable of a flight. So basically the whole way down there, I was just curious saying like the next time we take a trip like this, we're going to fly this way. What I didn't realize is how much money those tickets actually cost. <laughs> I think I looked up that exact flight and it was like $7,000 or $7,500 just for the one way. And then I kind of, I guess, geeked out a little bit and started doing some research. Then I found forums and a bunch of people talking about how lucrative the points game was and how you can travel in cabins like that or a lot better for, for next to nothing. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess that's really where it sparked the interest. 
Ashley was definitely the one that got me into to doing the, the bigger travel. And uh, we just did a ton of research. We met a ton of people. I went to a bunch of meetups and, you know, we just kind of constantly grew our knowledge and eventually got to pull trigger on some of our first redemptions. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've been learning and, and getting better and taking more trips ever since. Mm-hmm. We are still pretty new at the travel stuff. So that was really only like two to three years ago, too. Yeah. Nice. And you guys have come so far in those two to three years because you've definitely traveled in style, in business class, <laughs> into the lay flat seats and everything in those last two to three years. Absolutely. We've experienced some really great, really great products. And it's been an amazing experience. And we just can't wait to keep doing it forever. And at first, when we started getting into it, we're like, oh, if we can just do our really long hauls, like say to Australia or to Southeast Asia in business class, that's fine. But the more we got into it, the more like this is attainable to do all the time. How do you keep it sustainable? How do you earn enough miles and points to just keep traveling over and over again in the upper class cabins? I mean, so there's various different ways to earn. I mean, everyone, when I first started, I thought you just had to have a ridiculous spend amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I thought that earning this amount of points were for people that had, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of expenses every year. And that's actually probably the the worst way to earn points fast. So we obviously learned a lot about credit card churning and the sign up bonuses and taking advantage of that. But also there's a lot of there's a lot of banks and, and credit card issuers out there that have very strong referral bonuses. Yeah. And being a couple, we can really take advantage of that. So I can refer Ashley to a card. If she gets the sign up bonus, I would get the referral bonus. And then six months, six months to a year later, yeah. we can kind of flip the page and she refers me to that card once I don't have it anymore. And we can keep cycling that way. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, that one was really lucrative for us considering we still have our full-time jobs and we, we can't travel six months of the year. We only have a few weeks. So mm-hmm. at that point we were earning yeah. many more points than we could actually redeem. So, And then on top of that too, for hotels, there was both of us earning hotel points, but you only need enough. Technically, there's only one room, right? So we are just kind of doubling up and we kind of keep everything in Spencer's name. And then I'm able to send him a certain amount of points every year. So he does all the really the hotel bookings out of his account and has we only need one of us to have status really. So that's been really helpful. And then also being in Canada, I don't feel like the travel hacking world isn't it's not as vast, I guess, as it is in the States. So I feel like the community up here is a little smaller and we're about an hour and a bit outside of Toronto. So in Toronto, you'll find a lot of people who are really into it. But in Niagara, there was nobody. So once we start telling family and friends about it, we started being their go-to for referrals. And that has been really helpful too. What are some of your favorite cards to refer to each other that have pretty lucrative referral bonuses? And then also to refer to friends and family. Yeah, great question. So Mm -hmm. American Express has... Uh, undoubtedly been the best yeah. credit card issuer that we've used. The business platinum, for example, has already been always been very lucrative. They've had the yeah. seventy five thousand MR sign up bonus, and you know when we first started, it was a twenty five thousand point referral. Yeah, so that was nice. To Ashley's <laughs> point, since no one in our network really knew about this whole travel hacking, you know how lucrative it was we were their go-to person for the referral. So we got a lot of referral points based on just helping people get introduced to travel hacking and which mm-hmm. card to to start off with. So 
that definitely would be our our number one card that we've, we've used. And then we had a lot of beginners too. So we would start them off just with like the Amex Gold card is a really great starter card. And then they would kind of work their way up from there. Even with couples, they never really understood the two player mode. So it constantly kind of come back to us as they got different cards as well. And when one of you refers the other, let's say one of you refers the other to the business platinum, do you then just keep two copies of that card or do you close down the other one and then re-refer later? So we always keep the card for usually at nine months, at least six, but usually nine to 11 months. So we try to time it so that so Spencer's held his business platinum for nine or 10 months. And then he refers me after that. And we do that as well, just so that when he closes his card, another one of us has the priority pass that comes with the business platinum. So at least one of us has that. So when we go to lounges and stuff, we can both get in, but we try to overlap that way. And sometimes it does work out that we overlap on the same card, but usually not for longer than a few months. And you're able to, let's say Spencer has the business platinum and then refers Ashley. She has it for a little while. Are you able to then refer Spencer for the same card and he can get the sign up bonus again? Well, when we first started, (laughs) yes, they, Amex Canada wasn't necessarily, they didn't look into it as much as they have today for say. So the rule of thumb was you wanted to keep it open for at least six months just for a credit history report Mm -hmm. because anything less than that, it's not even going to show up in your credit bureau. So you want to have that six months of strong history of you know paying it off in full every month. And, and then after that, we would make the decision whether we'd want it to cancel it or not. So yeah, after six months, you usually wait three and then you could reapply. That was the old rules. Now they're starting to really tighten up on things. Because, they're cracking down up here. Yeah, because they're, you know, it's again, still a very niche population here in Canada, but it is growing quite quickly with a few of the Canadian bloggers and, you know, social media itself is a super powerful tool. So a lot of people are, are getting into it, maybe not as aggressive as us, but they are, they're starting. So but really to answer your question, we don't really flip back and forth to the same card. Now that there's other cards and we have multiple other streams of earning points, some of them organically as well, that it's usually at least at minimum a year and a half before we would reapply for that card again. That's still a lot more lenient than what we have in the United States. A lot of the American Express cards here, especially the Platinum and the higher up cards, you're only allowed to get the sign up bonus once in a while. Yeah. yeah. So you can close the card and reopen yeah. it, but you wouldn't get the sign up bonus again. So that's still a lot better for what you guys have in Canada, even if you have to wait a couple exactly. of years. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's definitely it was very lucrative when we started. You can almost Man. go back and forth once or like twice a year for sure. I think at one point too, we held both the business gold and the business. Actually, I think we both applied to the business gold and the business platinum at the same time. And now you can't have both of the business credit cards at the same time. I know that the Chase Sapphire Preferred and Chase Sapphire Reserve is like that in the United States. Do you have the Chase cards available to you in Canada? Sadly, no. Do you have any of the other card families? other than American Express, or it's all just American? No, we have our standard big banks here in Canada, like TD Canada is, has been a big one. They're, they're affiliates with Aeroplan. Like, as a lot of people know, Aeroplan's the go-to Canadian points program. Mm-hmm. Uh, so TD's had partnerships with them. Same thing with CIBC. They, they have Aeroplan-issued credit cards that come with 
pretty lucrative sign-up bonuses. A lot yeah. of the times you'll see their first year free and it comes with a 25,000 sign-up bonus and you only have to spend $1,000 in the first three months. So for people that are a little bit hesitant to hit that high minimum spend on the business platinum, which is now 7,000 in three months, it's a great starter to get, you know, essentially a very easy 25,000 aeroplan. And, and there's multiple cards you can do that with. Yeah. And also the, we also have like RBC has like the Avion card and they do product switches without an, another credit hit. So that's really great. If you can get in on those products, we still use like the MBNA Alaska cards. We use Alaska miles. So we're not completely limited, but we definitely don't have like the chase and all those bonuses like you guys do. In some ways, that almost helps when you can focus all of your efforts into one points family yeah. rather than having your efforts go in 20 different directions. And now you say, okay, I have 3,000 jet <laughs> and I have 2,000 Marriott oh points and that gets me nothing. Yeah. It's like going to an arcade and having like five tickets and then realizing that's not going to get you any prizes and you can't pool the different arcades worth of tickets together to get a big Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. And like, don't get me wrong. We are still very diversified in yeah. multiple points programs because as we got more experience into it, we realized certain airlines that we wanted to fly didn't fall under Aeroplan. We mm -hmm. wanted to experience Emirates first class. So we, we needed to find a different point program that worked well with them. You know, we're heavy into the Asia miles as well because we love to travel there. British Airways Avios program. Mm -hmm. I, again, we've earned a lot of points that way. And same thing with obviously we're we're platinum elite members with Marriott Bonvoy. So we like to sign up for multiple credit cards that are affiliated with them to earn their points because you can transfer to multiple airlines from them as well. But that and that point is actually pretty interesting because I feel like you guys, Julia, have an easier time transferring to different points programs. Whereas outside of say Aeroplan and Avios, we really have to funnel through Bonvoy points in order to transfer out to say like Alaska or AA or Asia and all of that. So you guys put a lot of effort into the Marriott Bonvoy cards just through American Express? Correct. Yeah. Well, and uh, we also have the Cobalt card and the Business Edge here in Amex. And you can transfer the transfer out to Marriott Bonvoy is a really good redemption. I see. And then with Aeroplan, does that mostly transfer to Air Canada or are there other airlines that you tend to transfer? So to? Aeroplan is, is Star Alliance. So it's every single, I guess you could say, airline that's under that. So Air Canada is their main partner. However, we probably redeemed... They've, they've been the, the least amount of yeah. our redemptions because they're partnered with a lot of great airlines like Eva Air's got one of the best business yeah. classes in the world. Singapore Airlines is another really good one. And now recently Etihad, yeah. which, you know, we have the uh, first class apartments booked, but sadly they, they grounded <laughs> the A380s. So we're stuck in the set, the triple sevens first class right now for our upcoming trip in Japan. But there are a lot of great partner airlines that, that come with Air Canada. And with that, they're very low in taxes and fuel surcharges as well. So we've been really taking advantage of that. I've found that whenever I look at Canada flights, the fuel and yeah, the flu, fuel and taxes and surcharges are so yeah. much higher than in the United yeah. States. I think a lot of people in Canada I've heard will like drive from Niagara mm -hmm. to Buffalo, New York, fly to Seattle, and then drive up to Vancouver. Is that a thing? I've never done that. I can see that being a thing. We are about like Buffalo is really our closest airport. We're like 20 minutes from the border. So 
pending any weird border issues, that's really close. But we find we, if we go out to say Vancouver, we have no problem redeeming aeroplane miles for business class out there because that's like a five-ish hour flight for us. So, and, and yeah, also get depending on the airline that you're taking. I mean, a lot of the times, like when we did our our Qatar flight, we had to fly out of Boston. So, mm-hmm. so you know, there's there's options. So for there, we did drive to Buffalo. Yeah took a short flight over to Boston, but a lot of the times you can fly from Toronto to Montreal and say Air Canada. And then from there you can go on Swiss business over to the to you know Switzerland and the European area for again less fuel surcharges and taxes because you're only taking a very short Air Canada flight. So mm-hmm. as long as you get creative and, and make the biggest leg of your flight with a partner airline that's that doesn't really carry a ton of fuel surcharges and taxes, mm-hmm. that's one way to avoid the, the hefty fees. And that's all changing, by the way, at the end of this week, Friday, I believe. So there won't be uh, the fuel surcharges anymore is the one main uh, aeroplane change, which is amazing. So we can start flying Air Canada again, well, based on their dynamic pricing. Excellent. And we're recording this in November. <laughs> oh, yes. So <laughs> whenever this comes out, whenever, whenever you hear it, you probably don't have the fuel surcharges Perfect. anymore. So nice. So my next question is, as you've been amassing all of these points and miles and travel hacking knowledge, has there ever been a time where you made some mistake along the way that you want to warn listeners and beginners? Hey, kids, don't do this. I would say it's more so before we started really looking into it. I had actually been collecting aeroplane miles for a while I really only from one aeroplane card. I feel like I collected like in the eight years I was collecting before Spencer, I feel like I only collected say like maybe like 80,000 points and I had redeemed them for flights to, I believe to Chicago. And also I think we've redeemed them for flights to LA, but both in economy. And now looking back, I mean, Buffalo to Chicago can run as low as like 150 bucks, which makes it a horrible redemption. And I don't think I understood. I definitely didn't understand the value of miles back then that we do now i feel like we've been pretty good though what do you think Spence? yeah i mean now it's more so our friends that we're trying to get into oh my it. god they'll make a, a booking and send it our way being like hey we're really excited for this trip and then we realized that they booked a round trip and one way was in business class but the return flight was an economy but they were paying uh, the full price and yeah. points for business class because that's how it works on a round trip flight and all they needed to do was book two one ways one in business and one in economy if business wasn't open and it would have saved them upwards of 25,000 points. So when we see stuff like that, we we immediately tell them to either try to change it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I guess in the beginning, that the example when we booked the Chicago flights on points in economy, it was a terrible redemption knowing that we could have just saved a few more points and booked a business class trip for, you know, not that many more points, but it would have been worth a, a heck of a lot more in, yeah. in terms of a dollar value. Yeah. Yeah. It's always good to do the math for what kind of cash redemption are you getting for this versus points redemption and to always just check award availability yeah. too, because sometimes it doesn't really cost that much more to just upgrade to this. Place. The other thing I would say we've been pretty good at because with the forms and stuff that we've read, they always tell you to make sure you know which plane you're getting on. Yes. Because there, you know, there could be a routing, say, Canada to Vancouver, and there's multiple planes that go back and forth. It's a very popular flight, but there's certain planes that have the pods, which is, you know, the best Air Canada flight you can really take. 
But there's also regional jets that go from Toronto to Vancouver, and it's the angle flat seats, but they're the same amount of points. So I would just suggest, you know, for people starting out and especially people in Canada to make sure that you use platforms like Seat Guru to go in, type your flight number in and make sure that it is the correct plane with the pods because you're getting a much better bang for your buck in terms of points if you do select the right aircraft. Nice. Those are all really great tips. If you're going to be booking a one flight anyway, you definitely want to check out Seat Guru. Check out what kind of plane you're going to be sitting in. If it's the exact same price for a much nicer, newer plane, definitely worth it to do a little bit Absolutely. of research to find that out. So any other general advice for people just starting out, whether it's from the points of mile side, airline side, finance side, any other mistakes that either you or some friends that you've seen make that you want to warn other people? About? Um, I would just say like to keep it simple, like obviously at the end of the day, you're dealing with a, a lot of credit issuers and credit cards and you can start slow, but it doesn't take a long time to earn what you need to go on a trip. I mean, the average person doesn't have the ability to, to take four or five trips a year. So they don't need hundreds of thousands of points earned per year. You really, you know, only need a fraction of that. And there's multiple cards that can get you there. And you don't need to sign up for all four or five of them at once. And then also too, I've had friends, like really good friends too, saying, hey, I just signed up for this Aeroplan Amex. And I'm like, oh, dear God, like, what's the bonus? And I think they only got like, 20,000 points, but the, the annual fee was like $400. And, and you have to be able to, again, know the value of a mile and to know when different credit card bonuses are worth it, like most bang for your buck and when they're just not. Oh, <laughs> Excel spreadsheets are, are our best That's, friends when it yeah. comes to this stuff. Yeah. Oh, 20, I know that makes me sad, especially for a $400 fee. I'm like, you should be getting 60, oh, 80. Absolutely. And no. this is one of my really good friends too. So it was like, cancel that now. But in fairness, you, you don't know I'm what you don't to- know. And it's, it's not their fault. It's just, that's why we're here to help. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So that is all such good advice for beginners. And as you move up through the ranks, then you start moving from personal cards into business cards. And I know you guys mentioned the business cards a little bit. What kind of business do you do so that you can get the business? So, cards? I mean, we when we started, we, we didn't have a business. So the nice thing about, I, I don't know if it's any different in the States, but here in Canada, you don't technically need a business to apply for the business platinum. You can apply as a sole proprietor and you can start up any business you choose. As long as you meet the minimum income requirements or at mm-hmm. least you know the household income put in yeah. that amount of income where it asks there's a good chance they're going to approve you for it mm-hmm. but we do have a business and we're heavily into the real estate investing so we buy properties renovate them and then rent them out we have a lot of short term rentals and now we're getting more into the commercial residential side and in, in apartment buildings so we've started to scale up there as well and we have a property management company with two other people. And so we're up to about eight to 10 clients now. So that's really been growing. I keep nice. And is this your main source of income or is this is a side gig just for now? We do have uh, other day jobs that keep us busy throughout the week. And so sometimes it gets tough to manage, but I feel like both Spencer and I are kind of the type of people that when we don't really have much on our plate, we find more to do. So we do really enjoy being busy. Yeah, I definitely know how that goes. But, but yeah, managing 
That, that's a huge side gig. If you're renovating houses, how much time do you spend on that each week? Well, I mean, it's it, it can range. Like we're our our hands ourselves are pretty clean. We do uh, mm-hmm. hire out a lot of contractors for that, so we're just more so the project managers. And we've had partnerships as well, which makes life a lot easier. But there's nights where we've been there very late till you know one or two a.m. and mm-hmm. it takes up our entire weekends and essentially every mm-hmm. spare second. We're either at Home Depot or Lowe's getting materials or at the property meeting contractors. It's never ending really, but. So. And you miss it when it's not there. So like we're, we only renovate for a certain amount of time and then it, it's good to go. And we've been doing a lot of short-term rental with them, but right now we don't have like, the rentals or the renovations we do have are not in the same province as we are. So it's been very difficult to be able to do these things via FaceTime when we're not able to fly out there right now. And we don't really have anything on the go as of right now in our area. Well, we so do, we're so. shopping. <laughs> it's a hot market right now. Yeah. And how do you incorporate earning points and miles in with this Great real estate question. side? So we get a lot of our, our materials from a few of the, the larger hardware stores around here. So Home yeah. Depot is one and, and Lowe's, Lowe's is another. So Lowe's is our personal favorite because there's an Amex card, the business gold card, where you can you can choose, I think it's three suppliers where you yeah. can earn two times the points. So we chose Lowe's as that and we we get all our materials from there when we can because you know when you're putting thousands of dollars of lumber or you know any type of appliances or things like that, it really adds up, especially when you can have like a two times multiplier. Wish it was five, but we'll take the two. <laughs> yeah. And then we also time new credit card applications around renovations because it's much easier to hit the MSR naturally when you have requirements. Yeah. Whenever you have renovations and you know, you're going to make big purchases anyways. Absolutely. This is such good advice too, for anybody, even if they're not in the real estate business, but for anybody listening, if you are remodeling a kitchen or a bathroom or something, get some travel hacking cards right before that, because you are going to spend more than $3,000 and after all of this, you might need a baby. Absolutely. That's the, that's the beauty of it, right? Like when you, you kind of get two bonuses from it, when you're renovating a new kitchen, if it's going to cost you 10000 to $20,000, you might as well get a $15,000 flight out of it. That's how we look at it. Absolutely. Do you also have shopping portals that you can use in order to get even more rewards? On yep. We have uh, Rakuten, Brickney and rebates. We use the Aeroplan e-store quite a bit. I find we don't get the same bonuses or the cashback percentages that you guys do at the same time. So maybe we're targeted at different times, but they do tend to cycle. And especially around, say, like Boxing Day or Black Friday and all of that stuff, we we definitely go on there and see what we can stack. But there's times where we've gone into Home Depot or, or Lowe's in person and said, okay, this is what we want, gotten, gone home, gone on a shopping portal, and then ordered that exact same item online and used the business gold card. So we can stack both the cashback and the two times on that card. Yeah. And the Aeroplan e-store has been pretty lucrative, especially in the past. They're partnered with uh, a lot of retailers, Amazon being one, and usually mm-hmm. around the holiday timing or Black Friday, or really any major holiday, they have a lot of five to 10 times multipliers. So if there's you know, any Christmas shopping that you need to do, or if you have to, you know, if there's a big purchase, let's say at the Apple store, if you're looking for a new laptop or any office supplies, they have 10 times with Apple a lot. So we, we really take advantage of that mm-hmm. one. And we also yeah. do the Airbnbs, right? So we have to furnish the place. So we will purposely wait until the multiplier on Amazon is five or 10 times and then buy 
everything. There are boxes showing up all the time, but we need it anyways. So we just wait until the portal is five to 10 times. Such good advice. If you can just make a wish list for everything that you need and you don't need it immediately, you can say, okay, we can wait a month or a couple months before we go on our shopping spree. And then as soon as Rakuten or there's a special card bonus or anything that says, hey, you can end 10x this month. You just say, I'm ready to go with my list. Jump on all of these <laughs> things by tables, chairs, literally lamps, everything. sofa, everything. And you can get yes, it's so it's amazing that way. Yeah, it definitely adds up for sure. And do you pay your contractors and everything? No, so a lot of those are well. cash. However, we have paid contractors in uh, gift cards from time to time if that works out for them. So to that we do as well pay some of them like the the projects we're managing out east they do take credit cards for the renovations so they have our our business amex on file so all the renovations have been put on there so that definitely adds up and in the past i've used I'm not sure if you're familiar with plastic but that was one of the partners from the, the business gold card where you could essentially as long as you had an invoice from them you could pay them via the plastic platform and earn two times on what they were charging. There is a small fee involved. So, you know, it's at your discretion on whether that fee is worth it for you. But if it's a big enough job, it justified it being at two times versus just one time. And I believe you got uh, fee credits when you uh, referred people as well. So yeah, that's the second part to it. We referred a a bunch of people and got, they called it fee free dollars. Yeah. So we had a few thousand, I think it was like four or five thousand dollars worth of it. So we paid one contractor that I think it was one of the painters that came in around four or five grand. It cost us nothing, but we ended up netting ten thousand points um, just for paying them. So again, it's not a, a huge driver, but it definitely moved the needle a little bit. It was you know something we've definitely done in the past. Yes, I think it's plastique. I just didn't yeah. want to correct them. <laughs> okay, so with all of the different points and miles that you guys have racked up through your business and optimizing your daily spend and everything else. What has been your favorite point? I think our favorite has definitely got to be the, well, a few, the Qatar Airways. We did the Q suites from Boston to Doha down to Zanzibar. Well, just the Q suites was from Boston to Qatar. We got that for 75,000 AA miles each and like what, $20 in taxes. Yeah something we did this and even though we've done emirates first class which to me is like my second favorite redemption the business class on qatar was like by far my favorite especially having that double bed like right beside each other that was such a cool experience yeah it's definitely uh very close to a first class product i guess you could say yeah it is first class in business that's the the lingo behind it yeah but you're not paying the the first class price i think that whole trip that that qatar dubai trip was definitely our biggest and best redemption so far i mean the retail just from hotels and flights alone was over ninety thousand dollars total and i think it cost us well i think it cost us under a thousand dollars in taxes for all the flights and hotels oh, yeah. So when you put that into perspective on how much money we saved and what we got out of it, it, it was pretty crazy to know that it didn't take that long to earn. And, you know, it's worth quite a bit of money. And I think our best redemption, though, is the Emirates First Class Boomerang that we did for 150,000 Alaska miles. We were able to fly from Dubai to Rome. We were in Rome for about 22 hours, Rome back to Dubai, and then Dubai to Toronto, all in first class. 
which was amazing. Yeah. So yeah. So I guess the, the scoop on that one is it, for Alaska miles, it's quite expensive to fly Emirates first class because normally if you were just to fly from, let's say, Dubai to Toronto in first class on Emirates, that is 150000 one way per person, which is a very high amount considering you could fly Cathay Pacific first for 70000 one way uh, for a similar flight time. So you're literally paying over double. Where we made it worth our while was, I don't believe it's around anymore, but with Alaska, you can book a free one-way stopover when you do book it. So I guess the trick was for Emirates first was if you picked a city in and around Dubai or you picked a country around that area within like seven to eight hour flight time, it had to route back to Dubai before flying to your final destination. So we were looking at all the different destinations and there was plenty. We just really wanted to go to Rome because it gave us our longest layover. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we got that whole trip. So three different first class flights for 150,000 versus just it would have been the one if we decided to go from Dubai to Toronto. So we, we stretched it. Otherwise, it's not the greatest redemption. Yeah. That still sounds like a really good redemption. Did you say how much money? So to give you a breakdown on what we did, so the Boston to Doha Q suites, that would have been around $10,000 each when we looked it up. And then we went from Doha to Zanzibar, that retailed at about $5,000 each. And then we actually stayed at a few really nice hotels in Dubai. We, we sit at the W Dubai and we, since we have status with them, we got upgraded to a room that for two nights would have cost us around 3,500. Oh, this room was amazing. Yeah. It's, it had its own hot, like the room was massive. massive. <laughs> and uh, we stayed at, I don't know if you've, you've seen the, the Almaha desert resort in Dubai as well. You get your own infinity pool that like backs on to this conservation reserve in the desert that for two nights would have retailed. I think it was around four grand. And uh, yeah, the Emirates first class flights that we just mentioned, the whole, like all of those bundled together was just over $91,000 for for both of us. Oh my goodness. That was a very luxurious trip. And the best part is that's a trip that we actually took this year or in 2020. We actually got back right before everything kind of shut down right at the beginning of March. It was perfect. And uh, I guess that's enough to get you through the year. That would probably be enough to get anybody through a lifetime $90,000 well, that, trip. That's just yeah, it because we were just like ramping up at that point and, you know, with everything going on this year that obviously put a damper on it because we had some pretty great trips lined up this year that yeah. obviously we had to cancel. But we're we're hopeful and we're already planning well into next year. So fingers crossed. And because there's two of us, too, who love to travel, I don't know about you guys, but we each choose, we're very different travelers. Spencer is the more luxurious travel. He really loves the more luxurious, more like Europe and Dubai kind of trips. And I love I, champagne on an airplane. <laughs> he loves the champagne. <laughs> and I am a little more like, I just want a beach and I just want to put my hair in a bun and not wear makeup and wear the same clothes for three days. Cause you're basically just wearing a bathing suit. And and so places like the Philippines and Thailand and Vietnam, like they are the places that I love and those are the places that I choose. So we each, each year we each um, choose where we want to go. So obviously in, in February of 2020, when we took this awesome trip, it was all Spencer's choosing <laughs> for the most part. Nice. And 
So you said you had a whole bunch of other trips lined up. So this $90,000 trip no. didn't wipe out yes. all of your points. We did. You yeah. Still have there's uh, like I said, there's multiple ways to, to earn That's points incredible. here too. I mean, I don't know how much time to get into it, but like manufacturer spending, you know, is there, there are techniques and there are things available in Canada. Obviously they, we, they're very cush and, and they're not announced. And again, we're pretty quiet about it too. But if you do your research, there's lots of things out there to earn quite a few points. It's more than you can spend in a year. Absolutely. We are definitely earning more than we is, can we can burn right now. Is it more open for doing manufactured spending in Canada yes. than in the US? I feel like they've cracked down a lot and some people here have had like <laughs> banks. It sure does. Yes, it does. So you have to be very <laughs> careful on, on, on how you do it and tread lightly because I mean, at the end of the day, someone is paying for those points. Yeah. It, there's nothing really illegal about it. It's just you know, it's the same thing. Once they find out that you're doing something like that, they're not happy about it and they will shut you down. So there are cases of people, you know, getting banned from say Amex or certain banks around here. Mm -hmm. It it does happen. So you gotta, you gotta be careful on how you do it. And obviously, you know, you don't go too overboard with it. And everyone's a different risk taker and everyone has to kind of decide where they want to draw the line. We usually say as a rule, don't mess with the bank that you have like all of your day-to-day banking or like mortgages and stuff like that. That's probably a good rule. Yeah. If you get shut down by a bank that you have as your mortgage bank and everything else, do you guys know what the process is to even get that? <laughs> oh my God. I, I wish. I mean, that hasn't happened, knock on wood, to us at this point. But from what we've heard, they will allow you, I believe it was like 30 or 60 days we were hearing just to move move all of your money, any investments and your mortgage. Yeah, they don't they don't steal anything. They just, you know, they give you a grace period to to move it out to another bank. We're hearing like at least five years before they'll let you even kind of go back. Seven oh yeah. That's what we're hearing. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh they kick you out yeah, of the bank. again, like there was things in the past well before we the, we got into it. Mm-hmm. That that set some alarms off, and and there were people that that they got their relationships ended with the banks. And again, there's a lot of other banks around here, so that's what we you know, based on our learnings from mm-hmm. other people's experiences, we've made sure to to like Ashley said, not mess with the banks where we have a lot of our mortgages and things like that, because mm-hmm. it'll make things a little messy if that does happen. <laughs> so, as a warning to listeners, what kinds of behavior did these people commit? That got them heavily flagged and shut. I would say yeah. it would be more the spend patterns. If you're yeah. going from only putting three to five hundred dollars a month on your cards to the next month putting twenty thousand dollars on your credit cards, <laughs> that usually sets off a pretty obvious red flag. And and again, there's really no data points on what exactly the trigger was, except that seems to be the most common one. So you have to mix in organic spend with with MS and and spread it out, I would suggest. And banks usually don't take too kindly to people depositing large sums of money into their account on a regular basis. Doing different things like that, even though it is very legal, kind of look a lot like money laundering. So trying not to put a crazy amount of cash completely into your bank account all the time is probably a good rule too. Yeah, that's really good advice for anybody who keeps hearing the words manufactured spend come up in any of the travel hacking forums, just know there are risks associated with it. And if you want to take those risks, take a little bit first, try it with a $100 gift card instead of, oh my God, (laughs) I'm going to manufacture spend 7k a day, roll with a suitcase full of money, make it rain, 
look like an idiot as I scoop it all back yeah. into the suitcase and try to rebundle it. Oh my God, don't do that. Yeah. And on top of that, that, you re- kind of ruin it for the rest of the people because at that point they start looking into everyone and, and then there's usually mass shutdowns at that point. Fair enough. All right. And so if you had to summarize all of this travel hacking knowledge that you've amassed from real estate, flying first class, having a $90,000 flight, doing two-player mode with referrals between both of you guys and then also all your friends, what would be your one-line piece of advice? Um, So we think where we've learned the most is at the meetups, connecting with people in person or going to virtual meetups. People ask us all the time, how do you learn all this stuff? It is through the people. Travel hacking community is wide and it's amazing. Meet some great people and build relationships and that's how you're going to grow. Yeah, I mean, it's all trial and error. There's new things popping up every day. So having that large group of connections definitely helps and helps leverage your time and effort. So it's not just one person. I love that. Everybody always says things like, oh, you should either go in really fast or go in kind of slow. But I love the advice Mm -hmm. of meeting other people who are into this hobby as well and learning from the people who came before you. Because I always say the best hack is just making friends who can tell you about their hack. Mm -hmm. And speaking of making friends who can tell you about their hacks, can you give out a few travel hacking shout outs to some people whose advice has been really helpful to you in the past? Absolutely. I mean, there's so many, but just to, to name a few, Ricky from the Prince of Travel, he's got a very popular blog here in Canada, you know, been a reader of that for yeah. two and a half, three years is, is the second we basically became interested in this because he's got a, a ton of great reviews, a lot of great you know, suggestions and a lot of really great tips, you know, not just for beginners, but also people that are, are more advanced as well. So for all readers was definitely very helpful. And he's actually a cool guy, which really helps. Yeah, he's not just behind the scenes. He's actually a really cool guy in person as well. We also Jace from the points nerd is actually really good too. great content on his blog. And then, yeah, our, our good friend, Jackie Ma, too. He, we met him at one of the, the points meetups. I believe it was put on by Jace, the points nerd, where Ricky, the Prince of Travel, he spoke as well. And so did Jackie. So we, we connected with him at the end. And, you know, we had a few drinks and we've been friends ever since. So he's, he's been very helpful in this process. And, uh, you know, we love to work together and kind of run things by him. And we've actually met up with him on a trip in uh, Taipei. So we're hoping to do uh, a few more trips with him. And it would be great to uh, to do one with the entire group. So we are Spencer and Ashley on our Instagram. Really easy. Just our names. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for coming on to the show. This is awesome. Thank, thank you so, so much. Enlightening and so interesting getting to speak with you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the GeoBreeze Travel Podcast. If any of the cards or other tools mentioned on today's call piqued your interest, please use the links in the show notes to apply or to learn more about any of the cards. Commissions earned from these signups help to support the podcast. Additionally, the single best travel hack I can recommend is finding friends who can show you about even more travel hacks, and it would mean the world to me if you could subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. 
And if you would like to meet even more travel hacking friends, come join one of our travel hanging hangouts. We discuss behind the scenes tips, celebrate each other's wins, and mostly just enjoy being around other people who enjoy this hobby just as much as you and I do. If you would like an invite to the next one, just head over to geobreezetravel.com hangouts and sign up to be on the invite list. See you there, take care and happy travels.